and fan the flame. That's what we're going after, all right? May God get all the glory all year long in 2021. No matter the circumstance, I will look to my King. Man, well, it's great to be here worshiping with you and uh, great to be celebrating. Man, we have a King. His name is Jesus Christ. May He get all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. It's a huge deal that we keep focusing on that. And as we jump into the series today, I, I just want to take a moment first to give you just a little bit of an announcement, all right? So a little bit of an elder update, if you will. So uh, here's a few things that we're going through. Just so you know, as we've been walking through some of the COVID experience and there's been little bits of limitation or a lot of bits of limitation that we've had to go through over the last uh, number of weeks and months. And uh, as we are now in phase four, Uh, That means in Illinois, we've had a little bit more freedoms and a little more allowances that have come to us. And so we wanted to make sure that things were a little bit stable with that. And uh, we are seeing that at this point. So we are going to be easing up even just a little bit more. So that means, ready? Uh, No more temperature taking on the way in. All right. That's right. Some of you are applauding super loud on that. I'm not sure what that means, but no more temperature taking. Do be like you're still, we're going to be signing up to make sure that we've got room for the kids and managing in here and all that. So as you do that, there is still the box that's like, no, I'm not feeling sick and I haven't been exposed in some way, right? Still be cautious and careful on that, but no more of the temperature taking thing. Uh, We're not going to be doing that. And uh, in fact, next week, we're going to start adding something back into the service, which is at the end of the worship, we're just going to take a moment to be greeting one another, uh, turning and saying a hello, a little bit of a touchless greet, if you will. I know there's still the row in between, but there's a lot that can be done just with a little bit of a connecting that brings some warmth back in this room. May we begin to relate and connect. Man, if you're online, greet the one you're sitting next to well. You know what I'm saying? And uh, let's just be kind of bringing a little bit of warmth back in. That's what we're looking at as we kind of set that down. You may not have known this, but we've already been raising the numbers little bits at a time, allowing more and more kind of to sign up, both in the auditorium here and in the children's ministry. So that's been going on for a while as well. And uh, one last thing, just so you know, one last piece we're going to add in. Starting next week, we're going to do this next week, and then we try to do it once every sermon series or so, but we're going to have communion next week. All right? Amen. Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit modified. It's going to be a little bit different. And uh, normally we would pass things and we're still trying to respect some of the passing things, at least in the moment. We're going to be careful with that. So here's what's going to happen on the way in next week. We're going to have people uh, kind of in the aisle way, this halfway point. So as you come through the doors and you get up to the aisle, there will be a couple of people at each door and they're going to be handing to you uh, the cup and the bread. Okay. Now you're like, dude, I will definitely spill that before it's time. And I get that. So we've actually gone out and uh, Pastor Mike, myself, we've been doing some things looking around and we actually found this uh, cup and bread that's sealable, just like in the time of Jesus. Right? And uh, so the the drink is sealed. And uh, actually, if you flip it over, there's bread on the other side. It also is sealed. So you're going to have this sealed bread and drink that you're going to bring with you and just go ahead and take a seat. The person handing it to you will have gloves on. They'll hand it to you. So everybody will get their own. And then you can come in and take a seat. And we're going to end up just going through worship. And we'll do communion at the right time all together there and uh, take advantage of that, right? And all of God's people said, 
Amen, man. Amen. Excited for it. So just ushering back in a little bit more change and a little bit more adjust all the time. May God get all the glory as we continue to worship our King. It is all about our King. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. Huge deal. Super fired up for it. Excited to be going after it one step at a time. That said, as we dive into this sermon series, Fan the Flame, man, part of fanning the flame is recognizing when things are getting a little better, we do adjust and we make things a little better. That helps to bring some more fervor, some more excitement, some more passion along the way. And, and uh, another piece that we're going to be looking at today, the title of this sermon, it's actually truth. Uh, avoid the foolish. Avoid the foolish people, avoid the foolish thoughts, avoid the foolish things of this world. And uh, so a lot of that is, look, when it's wise to be doing something, so be it. And when not, then we back away from it. We're going to be looking at some of what it means to avoid the foolish today and going after it. So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And uh, point number one here, understand that times will get tougher, not easier. Understand that times will get tougher, not easier. This is Paul writing to Timothy in the early church. This is uh, somewhere in the mid-60s AD. And he's like, just so you know, it's going to get rougher and people are going to lose their minds. They're going to lose their noggin, man. It's going to go off the rails along the way and just get ready for it. And uh, so here we go. Let's just read a little bit. He says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be, he's like, man, it's going to get tough, and it's going to get tough because of people. People are going to be, and then he has quite the list, 19 elements here. He says, they will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. People will be just like we see in 2020 and 2021. And all of God's people said, it's a big deal. And Paul's like, just so you know, we're seeing it now and it's going to continue to get worse and worse. We are going to see this in a huge way. And so let's walk through this just a little bit. He says, but understand this, like know this, be aware of this, make sure you grasp this and you, you understand what's coming next. In the last days, there will, be, there will come times of difficulty. In the last days, that phrase, last days, is kind of a term that was used for from the resurrection of Christ from that moment all the way until today and up until really until the tribulation and moving into that time period. So a long period of time, right? Several thousand years of this progression towards more and more evil along the way. It's like in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be struggles. Difficulty, the word there means troublesome or grievous, hard to bear. It's going to get annoying, and even then some. It's going to weigh down on. It says for, like here's why. For people will be, because the hearts of people are going to bring sin into the world, and it's going to get more and more rough, and it's going to wash on your shore more and more, and here's some of the things we're going to see. Like as we see people walking not with Christ, but running after themselves, here's the list, ready? 
It starts out, lovers of self. Now, we've used this illustrate before, but picture it like that, you know, that uh, kind of pyramid of the champagne glasses and you pour it into the top champagne glass and then it sort of spills over to the next level and fills those and then spills to the next and fills those and you see it water shedding down. Like that's the list here and the top glass, lovers of self. Like they're so hooked on self that it's just going to spill to all the rest of this stuff, lovers of self, like me first, me foremost. In fact, no sacrifice coming from me for other people. It's going to be about me, about me, about me, right? And uh, lovers of self turns to lovers of money, lovers of money. The love of money is super destructive. In fact, Scripture is really clear that you cannot love both God and money. Now, some people misquote this. They get really fast and they're like, money is the root of all evil. And that's not what Scripture says. But the love of money is the root of all evil. The devastation where we start with self, it's all about me. And then money becomes that method. I now love money because it helps me get more for me. It's about possession, it's about comfort, it's about, quite frankly, me, right? The love of money is really just an expression of the love of self and trying to put it on full display and full care. The love of self, the love of money, uh, proud. Now, we hear that word and we think of a certain meaning, and actually in the original language, this word meant something a little different than maybe what we would think. Proud is something we would say is sort of seated in the heart. But uh, maybe braggart is a better word here. It's more about how you use your words, this word. It's about walking into a room and being like, dude, you may not know this, but I am awesome. Like, you need to know how good I am. Dude, this is what I accomplished this week. This is what happened because of my hands and my words. And this is how I, that's this word. Like bragging, selling self, making sure others know that, man, it's good you're here, right? And uh, that is this word, proud. The next word, arrogant, is maybe more what we would have thought of the first word. This is the one that settles in the soul. This is that inside, this, you kind of have this placing yourself above others, no matter what, inside, right? As you walk into any room in any situation, your first thought is, yeah, but how does this affect me? That's this guy. And in fact, even saying, yeah, but not only just how does it affect me, but I am more important than anyone else, so how it affects me is more important than how it affects you. That's arrogance. Placing self above others at all costs, and lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant. This is quite the list, huh? Paul just went off. There had to be a moment. Paul must have been getting a lot of things washing on his shore when he's like, for it's going to get like this. And then as he starts to write it down, he goes to 19. Have you ever been so upset with something that as you started listing what upsets you, you got to, and then there's number 19. This is what upsets me. That's what Paul's doing here as he's going off. He's like, yeah, the proud, the arrogant, the abusive. This is where words are used to destroy. Abusive. This is trying to tear down the reputation of God or the reputation of others. Uh, This is using words to hurt or to take. Um, And then disobedient to their parents. And uh, this is a huge deal. We might see this one as lesser. Hey, kids, heads up. Disobedient to parents. Like, it's a huge deal to listen to what mom and dad have to say. 
God's got a big thing to say about how we respond to our authorities. And this is more than just disobedient to parents. This is how do we respond to those leaders in charge in my life? How do I respond to my boss? How do I respond to those over me that have headship over me? How am I responding in my home to my mom and dad as they bring guidance and direction is ultimately how am I responding to God who has placed them in charge of me? Lord God, I'm willing to worship you. And he's like, hey, make sure that you understand walking away from leadership is a problem. Like, be careful with that. And don't let that cause you consternation. He's like, careful those who walk away from leadership. Man, that's a big deal problem. And in the home, it's a huge issue. And be careful. This society right now is teaching something about parenting that basically says, let the child rule the home. And look, I have no problem with being super understanding and careful with the hurts of a child and the laughter of a child. And it's just fun to pour it in as we are now grandparents and being able to just hear a little bit of the laughter of a little one and being able to just pour that on and hear more laughter. Like I understand how it gets hard to just not keep giving and giving as a grandparent and do whatever we want to do and not what the parents are trying to accomplish, right? There's a point along the way where you got to be like, put it in check and careful. Let's make sure we're not leading our home more like the grandparenting model than the parenting model. Make sure you're bringing the yeses when there needs to be yes and whenever there can be and make sure when there needs to be a no, it is no and make sure then that that's followed through on. That's a really simple, basic model. If I can say yes and it makes sense and there's nothing wrong with it, then great. But if there's something wrong with it and I have to say no, then that's the end of it. And we need to lead to that end. And that's some strong parenting. And kids, let your parents lead to that end. Disobedience to parents, it's a huge deal and a major problem. He's like, that'll be the end times when kids aren't listening to their parents. Dude, he takes that pretty seriously. And uh, he's like, ungrateful. This is where you can't say thank you won't encourage, won't lift up, won't appreciate, ungrateful. Uh, And then the next one, unholy. There's no regard for God, no regard for his purpose. Unholy, like you're not set apart. You're not being made much of by God and you're not caring to make much of God. Unholy. You are not set apart for the king. This is what the world will walk through. A love of self And it spills all the way down to unholiness. It then says heartless, literally built into the word, is without a love for your family. No love for your family, no love for your friends. Heartless, like you only care about yourself, you're not caring about others. No kindness. That's this heartless. uh, Unappeasable, like you're at war along the way and you can't be satisfied. There is nothing that satisfies your demand unappeasable, always have to have more, always have to have it for me. He's like slanderous. These are the words that the devil uses. In fact, built into this word is the name that we use for Satan. And it means false accuser. It's when you, false, it's when you use words to say things about people that aren't even true. It has nothing to do with reality. You're just attacking them. You're accusing them. You're tearing them down. False accuser. This is actually the name or the title we use for Satan, this exact word. So they're basically becoming the mouth of Satan into this world. And this is the stuff that's going to be going on all around us. 
from the world. Without self-control, they can't say no to the flesh. There is a banging within and they just want, want, want for self. Brutal, like they're not mild, they're not gentle with their words. They leave them wounded, either in body or in soul. Brutal, vicious, harsh. And then he says, not loving good. They have no idea how to value what is good. They only value what is rotten, what is terrible. Like, I'm just telling you, if you put your arms around this whole list and you can feel it just degrading down, right? They don't even have a perception of what's good. The best illustrate I can give, this is like me shopping in the last few weeks because my wife had to have surgery. And so I was responsible for going and buying the fruit. Everybody say, that's a terrible plan. (laughs) It just is. And so I'm sent out on a Saturday morning to go get fruit or vegetables. And John is like, this specific kind of apple. And make sure you get the bananas. But they shouldn't be too green. But they shouldn't be too yellow. And they should be about this size. And they shouldn't be. And they have to be. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm taking notes on my phone, right? And, uh, and if you could get some uh, lettuce, but we want the romaine style, and there's three per, and you got to make sure ofs, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. I get over there, and I'm like looking around, and I look like a lost child. You're standing in the fruit and vegetable section like, now what? All right, I see a few apples. I'm going to act like I know what I'm doing. Walk over, kind of look around. I'm like, I don't see the name. So what do you do? You FaceTime your wife. That's what you do. So I get on the phone. I'm like, baby, I don't see it. She's like, maybe it's on an end cap. Why would they do that? Put them with all the apples. They're on the end cap. Fine. Going over to the end cap. You know there's people around like, loser husband. And I'm like looking around and I'm trying to find and I can't get it. Oh, there it is. Little, is this okay? Is this okay? You good with that? Okay. Put it down and then, all right, now I'm going to go get the lettuce. Go over and get the lettuce. Is that good? Yeah, that's good. By the time we get home, it turns out actually on the backside, the lettuce was like browning. And that was terrible to get. But I didn't know that. It looked good to me. You know what I mean? The bananas looked pretty much yellow. They were too yellow. I didn't do the right job on looking for the good stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Most husbands in here are kind of looking at me a little more empathetic than your wives right now. Just so you know. There is a job to do with it, and it does take a little bit of skill. And learning to know what looks good takes some practice. And man, it takes really walking with the Lord to understand what's good with the Lord in the same way. Man, if you need to FaceTime God to get a grip on it, then do that, right? Like get a connection along the way with what's going on. He's like, man, these guys had no clue what was good. Keeps going with the list. He's like, treacherous. That means they literally planned to hurt others. They were traitors, they're two-faced, they're backstabbers, they're credit-stealing, they're personally attacking, they're trying to build rifts and divisiveness, treacherous, reckless, like hasty, unthinking, careless, they're foolish in what they're doing, they're just running after it. Swollen with conceit, like they're just filled up with pride. In fact, this word here actually has the word blind built into it. Swollen with conceit means like you're so filled with self, you're blind to what's going on around you. The blindness kind of being the effort or the focus on it. Then he says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They find satisfaction in feelings and experiences rather than finding satisfaction in pleasing the king of the universe. And this pleasure of self, whatever it might be, can really take grip. They love to listen to self, not God. It says at the end, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, this honestly is the one that probably scares me the most. Because all the other ones are pretty much self-declaring, self-aggrandizing. They sin outright. They step into the world and they're willing to live this in. But this one begins to fake it in the church. Walking in and saying, no, really, I've got my walk together. Godliness. This is the dress it up on Sunday, make it look good for an hour. Go home to complete disaster Sunday afternoon through Saturday night. Don't talk to anybody. Don't get it addressed. Don't confess it to my God. Dress it up on Sunday. Come in and fake it again. Man, this is so devastating to our soul. Maybe you're even walking in today and you're like, I haven't addressed the sin I know I got going in my life. Man, may we be careful that we set down this poser, this faker mentality. May we go after our God and long for him to do a work, a changing work in our lives. Lord, may it not be about me and my force and my power. May it be about yours. Notice it says they have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. Did you know there's power in godliness? Power in doing what's right and following your king and letting God work in you. May God have his way with your soul. No faking it along the way. Not letting sin wash in and taste so good and take over and ravage. May I set down what the world sells as awesome and may I go after my God. Right? It's a huge calling for us to grasp it along the way. He says, avoid such people. Avoid such people. It's contagious, man. Be careful. Social distance on that one for sure. Avoid such people. Be cautious with it. You know, this past week, uh, you know, Jana's been actually doing well. A little quick update on Jana. She uh, had the surgery at the beginning of January on the back of her Achilles, and there were screws and things like that put in. Uh, she had this scooter that she was using for a few weeks there. Uh, she has actually been given permission by the doctor to now be using a crutch and walking, uh, which is great. She's putting little bits of pressure on that. It does bring uh, pain, so uh, that. That's a little bit of a bummer, but she's coming along in things well and doing well. So she's uh, front row right now and uh, no scooter. So you're a little safer in the aisles now, let's be honest. And, uh, but she's doing good with the crutches and kind of moving around on that. That does mean though that food, like we're just being a little more careful of what we do and we order out some and, and try to send me out shopping at times. That's useless. We've already talked about. So I ended up going and buying myself something on Friday night. I haven't done this in a long time. I was like, babe, I'm having more carbs right now. And I'm like, I would love to have some spaghetti. I'm just going to go to the uh, La Gondola in Morton and grab some spaghetti there. So I went and grabbed spaghetti and bread. And while I'm getting the spaghetti and bread there and and uh, I just asked the guy, you know, hey, how's business going? And he's like, yeah, it'll be better when we can actually get, you know, all the kids' sports up and running. That'll help a lot. And we're chatting a little bit. And he's like, hey, do you want a cookie? And I'm like, well, sure. <laughs> Who doesn't want a cookie? And he's like, great. We got bags of cookies. There's two in a bag. Do you want that? All right, then I'll have two cookies. And then he holds up the bag. And these cookies are like the size of my head, man. They're huge. And I'm like, that would be awesome. 
So he puts the two cookies in, and I bring them home, and John is like, so, wow, you got a great meal, and I put it out, and the cookies come out, like, and they're out on the, she's like, whoa, those are big, and I'm like, right? This is going to be awesome. So I start eating some of the spaghetti and the salad. You know how you know you've got dessert coming, and you're like, I I think I'm done with the main meal. I have to be able to save a little for the dessert coming, right? So I end up hanging on, and then we end up watching a movie that night together. And as we're sitting watching the movie, I go and get one of my awesome face-sized cookies, right? And I bring that in, and I'm like breaking this, and I'm eating it, and it is so tender. It is so soft. It's still warm. Notice all the phrases I'm using have nothing to do with taste. I still, three years later, have no taste. So I'm not really tasting the chocolate chips, although a little bitter. I could kind of sense that, but just the texture on this is awesome, thick soft, warm cookies, and I eat through that one. The movie's about half done, and I'm like, well, I do still have another one. (laughs) So I went and got the other face-sized cookie and brought that thing out, and I'm eating it as well. Now, the problem with not having taste is you really can't tell how much sugar you're eating until you get the feedback later from your stomach that's like, what in the world did you just do? And I just had all the sugar, and now I'm like, I can barely, I mean, honestly, I can barely keep it down. I'm so kind of sick to my stomach. And that's what he's talking about with this whole list. It looks so appetizing. And as you take it down, you can't even tell when it's too much or going the wrong way. And it ends up just tearing you apart inside. Be careful, man. Our flesh rises up and rages. And when it tastes good in the moment, All of a sudden, we can't say no, and we just start pounding it in. The world goes after so much of the feel-good in the moment. May we recognize and step back from and be able to be carefully distancing from that which just lifts up self. And all of God's people said, may we understand and know those are the sign of the end times. If you are deeply annoyed by the selfishness of this world right now, just know God already knew it was coming 2,000 years ago. It's part of the plan, all right? And uh, so simple question, any soul cravings that are ripping you up? Any selfishness along the way where you like have a hard time saying no? Anything you need to be like, Lord, please forgive me? Any cookies the size of your face you're eating? (laughs) that you constantly have to have more of. Lord, may I please set this down. May you get the glory. All for your glory. Okay, point number two. Avoid those who walk in ways that God never would. Avoid those who walk in ways that God never would. Remember, he just got done saying, avoid such people. Now he says, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. You're like, what? What? This is a metaphor. This is something that was probably going on in the church at Ephesus, is there was guys like sneaking in and kidnapping is the metaphor. But what was really happening is they were kind of easing their way in. They were telling things that sounded good. It felt good to their soul. They were wooing them into bad doctrine and getting them to go down the path of sin. It was like they were breaking in the house and kidnapping the woman. That's what he was saying. It's a horrible thing. This is probably a very specific issue to Ephesus. He says, these women, they were burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. 
They were led astray by various passions. Something happening in the church at Ephesus. Apparently, there were these women that were a little more vulnerable. Probably their kids were a little older. It gave them less focus in the home or in raising the kids. Maybe they were even more well-to-do, so they had somebody else doing a little more of the work around the house. They had a lot of time on their hands. And they had a lot of desires, and they had a lot of welling up, and they really had a lot of wants. And these guys started selling the bad doctrine. Remember at the early part of chapter 2, the doctrine being sold was like, there's no more resurrection. In other words, do whatever you want with your body. It's not going to matter. God's not restoring the body at all. Don't worry about the body sins. Just get your soul right with God. That was kind of the statement being made, and these women started buying into it along the way. I just... We'll put this quote out there again. I used this quote two weeks ago and something that I wrote down, uh, kind of just making this up to understand a little better. Here we go. Theological error, theological error is often rooted in the embracing or justifying of sin. Theological error is often rooted in the embracing or the justifying of sin. We often say, I'm headed this way in my theology so that I can get away with this sin. It's a rationalization along the way. And he's like, just so you know, there was a rationalizing going on and a tearing down of these women. They were available, they were vulnerable, and they were gullible, in this case, being dragged in. And they ended up enjoying sin, and it took them to bad doctrine. It says, always learning and never able to arrive at the truth. They were always learning and never able to arrive at the truth. They had a ton of knowledge, but the knowledge just brought pride. This is a lot like 1 Corinthians 8.1. It says, all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. They were grabbing a bunch of knowledge. They loved to know things. And as they had this knowledge and as they went after the knowledge, it got them pretty arrogant about self. And they were getting dragged down. They never arrived at the truth. They had a passion for facts and for insights or even for contradictions along the way, and it raised up self. It says, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. Now, you'd think maybe these are two Old Testament characters, and um, the Jewish uh, thought on this, there was kind of this Jewish uh, viewpoint that they took through tradition that these were probably the two magicians that went head-to-head with Moses, with Pharaoh. It's not actually said in Scripture, so maybe that's inspired information from God to somebody back then. Maybe that's just a little bit of exaggeration in thought. But the Jewish tradition says, these are the two magicians. If you look at Exodus chapter 7, verse 11, and Exodus chapter 9, verse 11, Moses stands up and he starts to do these tricks in front of the Pharaoh to be able to show him the power that God's given him. And as he shows him the first, Janus and Jambres, if you will, the two magicians come in and they're like, I can do something similar. And they do it. They're like, you don't need to follow Yahweh, just follow us. That was really their message. And they ended up trick after trick, kind of walking along, being able to rival it until they got to the sixth plague. And when Moses got to the one where boils came on everybody, it says that the two magicians no longer could stand up. I find it interesting, by the way, that the number six is kind of man's number. And at the number of man's number, God took man out of the equation completely. He's like, no more. And Janice and Jambres, they were trying to sell, you could just listen to me and what I'm saying. You don't have to listen to Yahweh. And it only worked for a little while. And then it was shut down 
by plague number six and by plague 10, Moses and all of Israel is released and God's plan is completely fulfilled. So he's referring to that story potentially. And it says here, Janice and Jambres, they opposed Moses. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. Like everybody just say, that means they weren't saved, not saved. Just say not saved. Not saved. These guys weren't a part of Israel. They weren't a part of saved Israel. They weren't a part of following Yahweh, not saved. They have no clue ultimately who Jesus Christ is and not going after that commitment. They didn't get it. They weren't thinking correctly. They were going the wrong way. It says, but they will not get very far. Just so you know, this is the first whisper of hope in this entire passage, and maybe you felt it. There's a lot of dark going on in this passage, and the list of 19 problems and the continuing of error, and he's like, but it will not go very far, right? We know from the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus Christ will build this church, and the gates of hell will not prevail, He's like, hang on, man, because people are going to come in and they're going to try to tear the church down. There's going to be people who are longing to lift themselves up, to create division, to not listen to leadership, to have nothing to do with God ultimately. It's all about self. Paul's hope. Don't worry, it ain't going very far. God's going to take that down. And as we stand with our king, as we worship our God, know this, our God is good. Everybody say, he is good. He is good, good, and we lean on him, and we count on him, and we trust in him. Our God is good. And ultimately, as we continue to walk with him, as we avoid all of this mess of self, know this, man, the church will thrive. How to fan the flame? You avoid the mess of the sin of the world. You continue to worship your good God. And you watch him do an amazing thing. Paul's promise of hope, don't worry, it's not going to get very far. He says, but they will be plain to all as was that of those two men. These people coming in and trying to tear down and trying to make it about self and their godlessness is actually hidden and cloaked and it's a fake and a ruse and the divisiveness is created in the church. Know this, God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. Yeah, louder and bigger. Dude, God has a plan. And he's talking about the last days, and he's like, just so you know, there's going to be thousands of years, and men are going to be spiraling down and getting more and more about self, and more and more self-destructive, and more and more divisive towards others, even treacherous along the way. But God has a plan. And the church is going to have people coming in and some are going to try to tear the church down and others are going to find out that Jesus Christ reigns as king and they're going to come to trust him as savior. And this is a place of hope and this is a place of love and this is a place of care. This is a place where Jesus Christ is lifted up as king of kings and all of God's people said, man, we will continue to make much of Jesus Christ. We will step back from sin, social distancing in place. We will have everything to do with our God. May he get all the glory. May Jesus Christ truly reign as king of kings. He says it will be plain to all, just as it was to those two. 
Man, as our eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ, as we learn what goodness is, as we celebrate his mercy, as we lift up his kindness, he begins to train and shape our soul. Are you in? Lord God, shape my heart. I am ready to see your goodness. I am ready to celebrate not my sinfulness and selfishness, but your perfection and your plan for all eternity. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 